Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Bissett. On this episode, we get to meet Laura Veers. Laura Veers is a singer-songwriter hailing from the Pacific Northwest, and she is just putting out a brand new album called Found Light. It follows up a pretty tumultuous period in Laura's life. Her last record, My Echo, ended up sort of being a document of her divorce from producer-collaborator Tucker Martin. This new record is kind of about what comes after that. In this chat, Laura and I discuss a lot about Found Light, including specific songs, lyrics, musical choices, and what it was like for her to finally, after so many records, be a co-producer on her own albums what that meant to her, how it changed her process, and how it ended up being a very healing process for her to make this record. We do talk about My Echo, and we talk about this time period of her life and what she's learned from it and hopes to continue learning from it, but also what she hopes we all take from it, what she hopes listeners take from it. We talk about a lot of other odds and ends as well, including her trio with Katie Lang and Nico Case, Case Lang Veers, and some other things too. It was a lovely time getting to talk to Laura, and I hope you enjoy. So thank you for listening. This is me meeting Laura Veers. because my Zoom was telling me my speakers weren't working and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to join. You're like, it's it's like been enough Zoom time for us. We know how to do this now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing the same thing I always do. I know. It's weird how it changes. Other people have been saying that too. I don't get it. But Yeah, and then it updated randomly. I was like, great. This is really great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made it. I made it and so did you and I'm happy you're here. Thank you for for hanging out for a little bit. Yeah, thank you. So we should mention right at the top. So the main reason I invited you, besides generally being a fan, of course, is that you have a new record out uh, or coming out, um, I should say, on July 8th called Found Light. It was actually just announced. So this probably won't go up for a while, but we are talking pretty much like a few days after it was announced, um, which is exciting for me. Um, so it's out July 8th on your own label, um, which you've done quite a few times, uh, Raven Marching Band. Yes. How are you feeling about this record now that it's kind of almost alive? Um, great. I mean, it's, it's a lot, you know, that's a long process getting a record out. I mean, it's not the same as in book publishing, like with book publishing, you finish your book and then two years later it comes out. <laughs> in this case, I finished the recording in September and it's coming out in July. So okay. that's like that's like a nine month wait, but I did start the writing process uh, two years ago. So it's like, you know, it's been a while of working on this stuff, this mm-hmm. batch of songs and figuring out how I want to make this new record because my ex-husband was my producer for 20 years. So I, you know, just relied on him for, you know, song selection and who's going to play on it and what's the arrangement of the songs. And even he got involved with artwork and videos and everything. Like he was just a really deep collaborator for me. And so when our marriage fell apart, I really had to figure out Mm. my own recording life basically and um 
I wasn't worried about the writing because I've always been a solitary writer, except for like when I did Case Langbeer's where we case Katie Lang and Nico Case and I co-wrote together. But mostly I've been a solitary writer and uh, but I've delegated or sort of just like let go of the reins of the production and and like so many elements of record making until now. And so mm -hmm. now I'm like, oh, how do you how do I want to do this? Like I started recording myself, but it was the pandemic too. And I was like, I don't know, with the kids home and it was just hard to figure out recording. And then I realized like, I don't think I want to be like a Carl Blau or a microphone Phil Elbrum type person right now. Like I don't yeah. want to do everything, but mm -hmm. I do, I do want to have more control or, or just more involvement in my record making. So I, I did one of the songs on the album did, I did record at home at my old house before I sold it. And then I moved to a new house, bought a new house, but um, I did. And I'm proud of that recording. It sounds cool. Um, is that, is that sword song? No, that one is called can't help but sing. Okay. That was my other guess. <laughs> yeah. Sword song. I was very stripped down and that one. Um, it was, it was like a discovery for me because when I worked with my ex, he was pretty like, I would say he was like a jeweler kind of like in the mm. way he produces records. It's like very clean, like a jewelry maker. And so things were often to a click or not. Like I didn't really perform live and I never really pushed back on that. So I was like, I think I want to try to play and sing live. I don't know why I shouldn't try that. So I did. And everything on this album is sung and played live, which made me feel good. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good at that. And it sounds great. And we don't need to go in and like hyper fine tune everything. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, let's leave some rough edges on. And so Sword Song was done. That was my next foray was working with Dave Depper who's the multi-instrumentalist for Death Cab for Cutie. And, oh, cool. and we, we did some tracking at his house and Sword Song survived from that and a few other tracks like naked him and eucalyptus like basic tracks the guitar part and i guess i did do separate vocals on a couple of those but um those did make it onto the final record but the bulk of the album i made many months after the dave stuff with shazad smiley who was an old friend but not a close friend who is like a again one of these multi-instrumentalist mastermind type musicians who mm -hmm. i had i had toured with him in Italy 15 years ago uh, with Carl Blau and this guy named Garrett DeVoe. And I really love Shazad, but I hadn't seen him in 15 years, but I had been paying attention to him because he has a studio in New York and my friend Sam Amadon had recorded with him and I loved the record they made. And so I, I actually had been thinking about working with um, John Parrish, who, who's done like tons of amazing records, like with um, PJ Harvey. Oh, and yeah. He's done the last few Aldous Harding records and this is the kit and he's got a really cool vibe, but he couldn't, and he had signed on, but then he couldn't come due to COVID. Like mm -hmm. they weren't letting people in from England. So luckily when I texted Shazad, he was like, I can come on those dates. So we recorded the bulk of the album at Jackpot Studios, which is close to my new house in Portland. And then we did the rest of it, like overdubs and inviting guests in, in Brooklyn later in October. So it's been, it's been a really big, journey for me it's um but really uh, and we decided to co-produce which was nice because I didn't 
I didn't feel like fully producing yet. Maybe my next one I will, but I, I didn't also feel like not producing. I wanted a collaborator, like a deep collaborator and Shazad right. was perfect for that. So we, we, we basically like, he helped me because I write an abundance of songs. He helped me find, like, I basically picked the songs, but then he kind of pulled a few out of the trash, which I'm glad he pulled out because <laughs> I was like being a little too critical about cutting songs. And um, and then we played live together, him playing drums and me playing guitar and singing. And then he overdubbed bass. And then mm. I did a lot of keyboard parts and he did some piano parts and mm. it worked out. Like, I really think it's a great record. I'm proud of it. There was like a year of writing that went into it that didn't, none of that made it. Um, like I, when I first got divorced, I was writing and trying to like work through my trauma or my hard sadness about it. But it just, this first year of writing just didn't work. Like I didn't like any of the music I was making. Hmm. But in the second year, I thought I like started to get the good ones and there's just so little, I just feel like I don't have a lot of control in my writing process. It's just kind of like guiding a ship or something. It's like the ship is sailing and I'm on it, but I can't really like steer it. It's very, I was talking, I did another interview today and I was like, Oh, for me, creativity is very much like I'm looking with a side eye at it. Like I'm half looking at it, half not. Mm -hmm. I feel like when I pay too much attention or care too much about it, it becomes difficult to make something that I like. And so it's just been a long, meandering, non-linear path to get to this place. But I do feel proud of this album. And I feel like it's it's a different me because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm different. I've changed. And then you can also, I've like gotten to know myself a lot better in the last couple of years. And um, <clears throat> I think you can hear that, that um, growth on the record in terms of, I feel like there's more vulner vulnerability in the lyrics than I would normally allow. And also a more, um, I think, ease with performance that I would normally have, I think because I've gone through a lot and I mm -hmm. just feel you know, well, and also I'm just, I've, I've gotten good at my craft, you know, I've been doing this 30 years. Yeah. I can play guitar and sing and I can write songs and I feel like <laughs> that's clear on this album. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like we should say like, it's a little ironic in a way that this is the first time that you've, that you've done recording this way where you, where you play and sing at the same time, because that's something you've always done on stage. Yes. Right? Like that's something you've, you know, and no one doesn't do that on stage unless they have, you know, a, a person playing with them. But even then it's different than singing in a vacuum. Yes. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a songwriter too. And there's nothing, it's, it's, there's something weird and there's, there's nothing quite like when you're recording a vocal and there's not like you hear it in your mind, but you know, outside of your headphones, it's just silent. There's yeah. something very different when you have the instrument in your arms and you're singing. It is different. And I, and I feel like it's a subtlety that maybe only musicians would hear, but I don't know, you get a vibe when you, mm -hmm. when, when it's live performance on recordings. And I think that it's, it's just, I think maybe even, I don't know, the vibe would come across to a non-musician as well, I think. Mm-hmm. 
So you said a lot of things that I was um, anticipating talking about. So we'll, we'll, we'll pick it apart a little bit, but uh, I wanted to start with um, some of what you said might be why you said this other thing, but I read that you had said this, you feel like in a way, this is almost like your first record. Yeah. I think just because I, I mean, I just usually would outsource a lot more to Tucker in terms of decision-making and Mm -hmm. Or to another producer, you know, and I was like, no, I want, I, I want to see, I don't, I'm not hell bent on like making this by myself in a room, but I do want to see, I, I want to figure out what my own taste is here. Right. I want to figure out like, what do I think should happen to this song? What do, what instruments do I think should be on here? And there was some searching, like the song Eucalyptus, we treated like 10 different ways. It started mm-hmm. out as kind of like a Brazilian sound and then it ended up in a very different place but it took a lot of meandering and searching to get that one and that was led by me and I remember there was one day where Shazad I just kept coming up with these like radically different bass lines and he would very kindly play them because I I have good ideas but I can't always execute them on instruments and beyond guitar and voice and sometimes keys and um, banjo but he's a great multi-instrumentalist. And so I'd be like, let's try this vibe for the bass, you know, really different approaches to eucalyptus and also to that song winter windows in terms of the bass. And, um, he gracefully and graciously did many different things many times and never pushed back or got upset. And Mm. uh, most of the time, like I remember I said one time, I was like, I don't like anything that you did all day. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, that's cool. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to it. You know, eventually we got there, but it was really fun to work with someone like that who he has a very um like open-minded spirit about you know music being not not linked to to his ego. Mm. And it's more like you can get a sense from someone like him. And I've met other musicians like this, where it's like, they really have their heart in the mode of service. Mm -hmm. It's like service to the song, service to the project, service to the muses, to the the mystery of it. And like, there isn't attachment. And um, I loved working with him for that reason. It was really fun. It just made it fun. And I, I, you know, my marriage had been kind of going down for a while in terms of us just not communicating well. Mm-hmm. And so record making wasn't that fun. Right. And the thing is, it, it, it can be really fun. And it, sh- it should be, frankly, it's a special thing to be able to do. And so it was fun for me again. And that was like a really healing thing because, you know, different musicians go through different things over over the years. And music can be or any creative pursuit or any job or anything can start to feel like a drag right and it didn't it felt like a new thing you know because the collaboration was so new and my approach to music was new and my songs were new and it was just fun to have that sense of freshness and newness after this long of doing it right yeah and i feel like it can't be a coincidence then really that especially when you compare these two um found light and your previous one my echo um they sound quite different um you know despite the fact that you 
really kind of since the beginning have had, you know, a general sort of vocabulary, sonic vocabulary you work within. You've always kind of found these new ways to tinker with it. And then even these two records that are only separated by a couple of years, they sound quite different. So, you know, Tucker definitely, well, Tucker definitely has a style and aesthetic, which you kind of mentioned that like clean, you know, almost like pristine kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. And then this one, it's not that it's, it's certainly not roughly recorded or poorly recorded, but there's just like a, I don't know, there's like air in it almost, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it, like it's, it's not vacuum sealed. Yes. And I think that comes from the, um, the live performances and also the, I mean, the relative like lack of fiddling. I mean, mm-hmm. we just didn't fiddle. We we did like one or two takes and very few edits on the entire thing, except for Eucalyptus. That's the one we fiddled with. And I think that can, that can kind of come through, you know, when, when you just put some limits on it, like, all right, we're only adding saxophone and like, I think like there were ones where we did have other people adding stuff, like Naked Him had a bunch of extra stuff. Time will show you. But then we, we just stripped away because we were, for overdubs, we were in Brooklyn and people were flying stuff in from mm-hmm. overseas or from what other places. And so we had a lot of options. And then at a certain point, we were like, no, there's only going to be a sax thing on this. And there's yeah. only going to be Sam Amadon fiddle on this. Let's just ditch the rest of it. And then that fiddle starts to sing, you know? So you can really, I think that airiness comes also from limitations and not piling on. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not surprising to me, but it's interesting that you mention um, sort of this finessing of the, of what instruments you do and don't include and kind of giving things space like the sax or the various flutes that you have um, or woodwinds, I guess, maybe they're not all flutes, but um, that's something I've always kind of found in your work, even, even your older records that you give space to the music because so many, and this isn't a bad thing at all, but so many lyrical focused songwriters you know it's lyrics wall to wall um yeah you've always i mean as long as i've been listening to you probably far back as at least uh carbon glacier you've always given songs the time to kind of okay i'm gonna stop singing for a hundred seconds you know Mm -hmm. i'm gonna let the this musician that came in and gave me their time play and i've always found that kind of like an interesting thing because not many singer songwriters are known for that i mean i'll i'll Nod to Tucker also there because he often had a, a say in that. But I do, in my own aesthetic, I, I think throughout, I have enjoyed long outros and like different, like a guitar part changes and then suddenly there's a whole new world in the outro. Mm-hmm. Like longer in this instrumental sections, instrumental bridges. And um, you do that here too, actually, a few times. Yes. And I do love that because, I mean... I also love like a Daniel Johnston song where it's just pure, pure lyrics and guitar or piano. It's just very stripped down and all about the lyrics mm-hmm. and, and the emotion and almost the childlike simplicity of it. I love that stuff, but I also love, you know, a chance for a world to build and change in a bridge or in an outro and for um, non non-lyrical things to happen. Yeah. So you mentioned before um, another thread I wanted to kind of pick at that you felt like this new record is your 
possibly your most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that I, I, I would probably find that to be true from an outsider's perspective as well. Um, you know, there's lyrics on here, like I'm sure the one that will probably be quoted a lot in reviews is when you pawn your wedding ring. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, an eucalyptus you say over and over, you crushed me. You know, it's pretty um, baldly personal. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, it's, it's just interesting because you're coming off of my echo, which at that time was probably your most vulnerable because that one you called your divorce record. Um, mm-hmm. What do you call this one, by the way? Is there a title for it? <laughs> uh, well, it's like what comes after it's the, it's like the, um, the regeneration, the Phoenix from mm. the ashes, the resilience, the rising up. Right. So you know, you've, you, you, you've long, you're no stranger to writing autobiographical songs, but you have often sort of included a lot of sort of imagery and poetry and metaphor. These songs, my echo, and now even more so these songs um, are pretty, pretty baldly personal. Um, Is, was that a tricky move for you to make? Um, I feel like I've, you know, there's like a pendulum that swings for me between soft acoustic music and punk rock and like a loud electric guitar thing and the pendulum also swings between abstraction and more cloaked lyrical imagery versus personal and with this one I was like really wanting to share the complexity of everything that I went through in the last couple years and Mm -hmm so much of it was amazing and wonderful and some of it so much of it was so difficult I I don't think I could have it wouldn't have done the the story justice to cloak it too much with poetry or abstractions and I wanted this to be a a truthful document and a vulnerable document because when I even though it's scary to me sometimes like the song time will show you is talking about casual sex. I've never done that. Right. Um, but I also like that song for how it does swing on this pendulum within that three minutes. It's like, Oh, there's pretty interesting poetry happening in the first verse. Then we're like in an Airbnb, <laughs> the F word fucking, you know? Like yeah. That. And that's not a common thing for, for your records. No. And then in the last one, it's more like, dream world poetry again which I think is really fun to do like I'm I'm proud of that but at the same time that was one that I had chucked out of the the pile because it did feel too vulnerable and I'm like I don't really want to talk about this you know but yeah Zod helped me pull it out he's like this is a really interesting part of the story and um like kind of helped tease out why like it was too vulnerable and then eventually I was like yeah who cares like it's just part of the story so let's just tell it and um and I you know ultimately I was like you know I did feel a lot of um I kind of felt like I didn't know where I stood as a musician without Tucker because we had been so close in our collaboration for so long mm-hmm. but I was like I don't even know if I like this anymore music and I don't even know if I want to do music because it's, I sort of associated it with him and my past. And then I was like, no, you got, you have to make another record. This might be your last record, but you have to make another one just so you show yourself and in your future self specifically that you can and that you can do it and that you did it. 
Mm-hmm. So that was one reason why I wanted to do it. And then another reason was, I mean, my story is so common, you know, it's like a woman gets divorced, has kids. It's really messy. It's hard. <laughs> it's like very complex and painful mm-hmm. and amazing and beautiful. It's all the things. So someone else is going to like hearing this. If you tell your truthful story, some other single mom or single dad or single parent or divorced person or someone with heartbreak is going to feel seen. And that's important because that's like your job as an artist is to show and tell your story truthfully and authentically. I mean, that's what, what I think one of my jobs is, is to tell that story and then um, share it so that others can feel a sense of connection and not being alone. And that's like one of the points of, of art. Mm. So those, those were like the two guiding pillars of um, kind of beacons for me in terms of why I was doing this. So does that give you a sense of sort of comfort as you're making something so raw and vulnerable, kind of knowing what's on the other side of that? I mean, I don't know because it's not out yet, but I, I can, <laughs> I can assume that someone will be able to relate to it. And I can mm. assume that someone will make, it will make their day better. And that's, that, that does feel good. And I think I'll get some feedback that will say like, Hey, that really helped me through a hard time. Cause I've gotten that already for years at the merch table. Mm. And this one will definitely help somebody. I think, I mean, I just said, I think like maybe it won't, but it definitely will help somebody. Did it help you to make it? It did. Mm. And it, it, it helped me make sense of it. Yeah. You know, because it's it's a lot to manage, and and I feel grateful for this art form because it helps me make sense of it, of yeah. life, of my life, and my life is now encapsulated in these records, and that's not my whole life, but that's a big part of it, and it's going on twenty five years of record making, and each one is it's a moment in time, and this is the moment in time of right now this album captures this moment and then and then it's going to change you know is that something you've had to for lack of better words is that something you've had to sort of come to terms with the fact that you've chosen to share so much across these two records um I don't feel I mean probably someday or maybe if there was like I don't know I can't imagine like regretting Mm. I, I can't really imagine regretting sharing the truth yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> um, I want to quickly ask about, you mentioned the the song you put out already, uh, Winter Windows. Um, that's the first single from the record. It is also the closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, it, I was listening to the record this afternoon before our chat, and it's a bit of a surprising closer. Mm-hmm. Um, w- did you want it to be? Yeah. Well, okay. I, I want <laughs> I didn't really want it to be surprising. I just wanted to end. I like had no doubt in my mind. I wanted to end with that song because Mm. it's like such a banger and it's so powerful (laughs) and it's like, yeah. And then she just went off into the sunset with her rad guitar. You know, it's like kind of like ends it on this high note. And I really wanted it to go out with a bang. Yeah. I didn't want to end it on like a, 
like a sad or like a dreamy tone. I was like, no, we're fucking in this now. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> I get so that. I wanted to end it that way. It was, it was gratifying to end it that way. I mean, it's kind of reminded me a little bit, like, I don't think this is necessarily the hit from the record. If I don't really think there's a hit on here, but like, I remember talking with Katie Lang about, um, her album Ingenue and how they ended with Constant Craving, which is the hit. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I don't know. I can't remember why they did that, but it was interesting to notice like that was a, a rare instance where the biggest song was the last song. Yeah, that's not that common, I guess. No, it isn't. And yeah, because it is a sort of this like credits rolling, mm-hmm. almost like a victory laugh. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess kind of, yeah, okay. I guess then thematically, it's not so surprising. Yeah, I, I don't think it is. Yeah. Because, hmm. yeah, we should, I mean, maybe we shouldn't, but I'm going to mention it. This is like one of your longest albums, um, which I I wasn't thinking about, but then I was like, well, it's 14 songs. You know, her last one was 10. And I looked it up and yeah, this is like maybe your longest or second longest album. I mean, and there's a lot of stuff to- going on here. Yeah, lengthwise, maybe not. It's about the same. It's like 45, but there are more. I think they're shorter because some mm-hmm. of them are, you know, I really wanted to just get in and get out. Yeah. But um, yeah, 14 songs is a little more than normally. Yeah, normally there's 10 to 12, but. Um, but they hang they together. Do, they do. And and I there was there wasn't one that was like straggling along. They, we just. I think we only recorded 14 and we kept 14. We just went in and, and in fact, recording was so fast because we weren't fussing Yeah. Um, that I was like, I think we can make two records. So we, we actually <laughs> did end up recording like a bunch of other stuff, like more instrumental stuff that could turn into something later. But it was also kind of neat to just be like, yeah, we can make stuff quickly and it sounds good. Yeah. Um. I'm just curious who, and maybe it's you, because I don't have credits on this record yet, but okay. um, who plays the like additional guitar on the opening track? Well, what's like, the opening track again? Oh, <laughs> oh that's me. Okay, so Autumn Song. Yeah, that's me. I play all the guitars on it's that. It's so pretty. Thank you. I was yeah. like so taken by that because that's, you know, we mentioned your instrumental passages and that's kind of one of them right off the top. Um, and it's just so pretty. I just wanted, I just wanted to know who played that. Um, so then you mentioned this writing process was about two years. What's the oldest song here? Um, do you remember? Can't help but sing. Okay. And then what's that, the newest one? The newest one. I'm always, I'm just always curious about that. Yeah. Ring song and seaside haiku came out right at the end and time will show you. Mm. Oh, and new arms, new arms. So like four came out right at the end because you know like a deadline pushes you anyway no matter oh, what sure. a deadline is going to bring out more material so those all four four all came out I mean some of them I had been working on for a while yeah. um but I morphed them or I like grabbed two verses two sections of two different songs squished them together but I did like a flurry of intensive writing and practicing and like um composing right at the end just to be sure I had the best that I could muster for that Shazad session. Yeah. So we've mentioned many times these songs are, are quite personal or quite detailed in a personal way. Um, and you were working on them without, for the first time without um, Tucker. Was it, was it strange to work on My Echo with him? 
given yeah, the subject um, matter? I mean, we, that we didn't even talk about it. Like, okay. we were at a point where, I mean, we hardly ever talked about lyrics anyway. Mm. And I didn't even realize until that record was done that, that it was because our marriage, I was still trying to like, we were trying to work it out, like in counseling and like all this yeah. stuff. But the songs were clear after we were done. I was like, oh, that's obviously what this is about. And we are done. You know, this right. is so it was like kind of strange. I mean, and also sort of just from an artistic side, interesting that the songs, my subconscious mind was was aware of and accepting the reality way before my conscious mind was able to. Yeah. So it's clairvoyant. Yeah. Yeah. It's we're strange sometimes, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> but I feel like there's that truth seeking in mm-hmm. art. That's, that's like the thing I take away from that. Yeah. Like, I think we're, we're really searching when we're making art and writing and creating t- for some path towards speaking our truth. Even if we don't really know what that is yet. Yeah. Hmm. Um, one last question about this album before I move on to my, to my next, uh, my next note. Um, I was just curious about the cover art for this record. Um, Mm -hmm. found light because I feel like it sort of echoes the my echo cover art Mm -hmm. was that on purpose or am I just like straining Um, it's actually it's kind of interesting like it's if you saw it like quickly you'd be like oh that's similar but if you look closely they're really different Mm. like well your attitude is different on them the pose is very different they're both so they're both seated with me looking at the camera, but they're in my echo. My legs are sort of closed more, and I'm like a little hunched, and I look sad. In the <laughs> next one, it's like man spreading. I call it woman spreading. Yeah, sure. And <laughs> and like fierce. It's mm-hmm. like punk rock, you know. It's like and then like the cleavage, like yeah, it is powerful. It's like badass bitch. I think I saw one of your comments on Instagram. You were like, yeah, my family doesn't like the cover. <laughs> my mom. Yeah, your mom. That's what it was. Your mom. <laughs> well, I'm almost 50. She can get over it. Right. Do what you want. <laughs> Plus, it's your 12th record. Like, really do what you want. <laughs> exactly. And I, it shows like the change, right? Right. right. The transformation, like more tough guy. And like, I've been through some stuff here. Let me tell you about it. Right. um so what i often do when i'm about to interview someone um i also write for beats per minute and we uh have a slack and i always say you know hey i'm interviewing you know laura veers tomorrow what what do you guys want to know and i got a couple people asking random questions about the case lang beers thing okay um which by the way i just listened to that record yesterday for the first time in a while it it's still it still hits (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good it's so listened. good um yeah, i haven't listened to it in ages i should listen to it it's really it really holds up and it's like one of the rare like quote-unquote super group albums that actually feels like a group made it yeah well, you know we what did. i mean yeah, we yeah did. and you can and you can totally tell like i know you guys take lead on different songs but you can totally tell yeah um good thank you is that something you'd ever do again with those two i would i mean we've joked about it and like chitter chattered here and there but i don't think it's gonna happen i think it was Mm. a one-off i don't i guess i'll never say never but there's no chatter about it right now because i know 
I'm blanking a little bit on when and how it happened, but you three have like interwoven a few times at various points. Like I know you were, you co-wrote a song on Nico's last record. She sang on um, Sun Song, is it for you? Yes. So like you guys work together, but maybe we're just not going to get another like Case Lang Beers record. We might not. I wouldn't. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Because it came out, what, like six years ago? I don't know. Seven years ago? Uh, 2016. Okay. Yeah. Like six years ago. And it's still good. So it's fine. Um, what, like, what led to that though? Like what led to the three of you being like, you know what? Yeah. Let's just make a record. Oh yeah. KD emailed us. That's how it started. (laughs) She said, do you want to make a band? (laughs) And I had just had my second baby and I, I, and I had a toddler and I was really busy, but I was, I emailed back, let me check my schedule. I'm free. (laughs) I feel like that is one of those, like. (laughs) <laughs> things you'd kind of just say yet yeah. like how are you gonna say no oh yeah that was a huge thing for me because I was a big fan of both of theirs mm-hmm. and, like I remember um looking at Katie's ingenue album cover like on the floor when I was 18 just being like swoon <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a bit of a, a meeting your idols moment yes and it I mean I assume it it went well it did. Yeah. I Sometimes mean, we, that doesn't go well. Yes. It we hit some bumps, I won't lie. We we had some uh interpersonal challenges, but I think possibly that's inevitable with three headstrong women writers. Yeah, who all have very very strong points of view. Yes. But we didn't ever fight or anything. We just it almost fell apart at one point. There was some drama behind the scenes, but we got through it and we're all friends and hmm. You know, we made something we like and everybody got their voice heard. And I got to like grow a lot as a performer, stepping out on those big stages with them and just, you know, again, big girl pants, like (laughs) put on the britches. You're on there now. You got to do it. And that was a big leap for me, but a good, really good one. Good growth experience. Yeah. And I mean, it's like because you have this kind of this legend in, in your midst. Exactly. You know, and so you're kind of thrust into, I'm guessing, into this sort of new realm. Yeah, I definitely had some some anxiety around mm-hmm. that, you know, but. Um... I do, I do remember, <laughs> what, what are you going to say? Oh, just the live shows was what kind of freaked me out the most, because I've always had like some stage fright issues. Mm-hmm. And they are both so at ease on stage. Yeah. So I was like, I felt like the dum-dum but, <laughs> but not in the writing room like that's where I excel so it's like interesting how we all had different things that we felt good and bad about so or like yeah. accomplished and scared of was it for the most part were the songs truly co-written all, like all of them I wrote all of them or we co-wrote we co-wrote all of them so I would I had a hand in all of them okay Katie and I co-wrote a couple Nico and I co-wrote one and then we co-wrote three or something like all three of us okay um i feel like i remember it must have been like an npr concert or something that you guys were doing and with interviewing in between i feel like i remember katie saying that she thought song for judy was a terrible song (laughs) and then she came around to it like oh no it's not a terrible song (laughs) 
remember I just, about that. I just, yeah, I, I think it was something like that. And I just found that really funny because that's like, it's such a, <laughs> such a, like a nice song. Like what, what was so wrong with it? <laughs> I mean, I think I could see her perspective flow in a way. It's like a biography song. I mean, not everyone's into that. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> also like that is that's totally I know you don't do it all the time but it is kind of your style because you you have characters and stuff in your songs too yeah I've I mean I've always had more of that like edge sort of the edge of a folk ballad songwriter storyteller thing going on than she has yeah and I mean Nico for her part writes vivid character studies all the time yes she does um you hear her new song it's so good i haven't yet i want to i'll go listen after this i I do think it's pretty badass that she's like yeah i'm just gonna make a compilation of myself for her new thing right yeah she just like she just like made basically like a a mixtape of her song she likes from across her career and she's like here that's cool that's cool (laughs) i think it's cool um well i forgot what i was gonna say oh i had one more note and then oh (laughs) I'll let you go by your night. Um, only because I was thinking of it because we had scheduled this or we were about to schedule this um, before last weekend. And on Saturday, I saw for the first time Juana Molina. Oh, good. Um, and I always Where think did... of that that lyric of yours. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. Where did she's you she's so it? cool. We saw her in Boston. She's playing a, a very short solo tour. Uh-huh. Um, Great. Yeah, it was kind of weird. We saw her in this like at, in Somerville at the Somerville Theater, but it's like this ballroom that's attached to the theater and it looks like the kind of place where people would have like a bar mitzvah Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there she is on stage like looping and being silly and it was really cool yeah she's wonderful I'm I'm always I've wanted to see her for a long time so I was just like I I, on my on the way home I was thinking about you know various things and then this popped into my mind I was like oh yeah there's that so Mm -hmm. I forget think it was a bricklayer off my echo I think it's Bricklayer, yeah. Yeah, we had a fight outside of her concert. <laughs> oh, that's such a nice, nicely specific memory. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, well, she's been a friend for a long time. She's oh, really? Awesome. She, yeah. yeah. She seems also. She does this thing when she's doing solo shows. Apparently, at this, at least on this tour, where she says she lost a bet, so she has to start every every set with a improv. Oh, with improv comedy. No improv music, oh, although it. she is hilarious the whole time. So yeah. Um, did you know she used to be a professional comedian? I did. I actually interviewed her for the show last year. Oh good. Oh good. I know. I was so thrilled and ecstatic and surprised she said yes. That's um, awesome. And she be- beamed in from her idyllic Argentina home. Good, good, good. Um, but yeah, so she like asked us for a number and someone said a number and I, it was like between one and a hundred. I think it was like presets on her keyboard. Mm. like we picked her keyboard sound and she mm. hated she hated the one we picked and she <laughs> the song she sang was all about why do we pick this number she has to end this song it was really cute <laughs> that, that's actually a good idea because i've been um pondering my next move because i'm going to be doing some solo touring and i'm like how can i keep it fresh and i yeah. had been thinking about incorporating some improv i do incorporate requests so that's a, le- a level uh, or a layer of spontaneity that comes in but I yeah think definitely crowds love it when it, they know it's spontaneous so I'm, I'm gonna take a clue from that a cue from that and think about that in terms of like because I also loop and like can improvise so mm-hmm. I'm thinking like oh maybe I'll do that too are there any requests that you get like every time and you have to play them 
No, I get a whole battery of that's kind of nice. It is nice. And often they'll ask for like they'll shout out like 10 different ones. So then luckily <laughs> I'll know like at least three. I know. That's the thing. You have so many songs now. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Like to the point where even I, as a fan, like if I caught a show, I wouldn't ever know what to scream out. <laughs> I'd be like, um, the whole, I don't know. Actually, the first one that came to mind was when gravity is dead. So maybe oh, I would. I've been playing that one. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I w- maybe I'd get my wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, are you in Boston? I am near Boston. Okay. Well, I'm coming through. I'm in Connecticut. So I'm between New York and Boston. Okay. Got it. Well, I'll um, be coming through sometime soon. Yeah, I will. Have they been announced yet? Yes, they're okay. on my website. Okay, I, I will have to look. Where it's a little, it's, it's a little tough for me. I'm a, I'm an English teacher, so I'm like, my days are pretty early and tied up. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Some, sometimes I come out. Are you a high school teacher? Yeah. Got it. That sounds like a hard job. So are you back? Everybody's back in the classroom now. Yep. And we are actually maskless now. Good. Yeah. Are you guys? Yep. Finally. Yeah. I was going to say, cause you're in the Northwest. That was kind of an epicenter for a long time. Yes. So no, glad. it's been such a relief. I mean, I know it's harder for you now, but for me, well, maybe it wasn't, is it easier for you now that the pandemic's on the wane? Was it, it must've been impossible to teach um, remote. Yeah. The first year sucked. Um, you know, we were doing the remote stuff when it was fully, fully at home. Like that was actually fine. It was once we came back partly hybrid. Yeah. That the sucks. hybrid stuff. I'm sure it's, it happened a lot of places. Yeah. It did suck because, you know, we had some kids whose parents were fine sending them in and some whose kids wanted to stay home and so we had to like simul teach mm, you know impossible. to the screen and the kid yeah it sucked for yeah. everyone because the kids and in front of us got worse instruction than they would have oh, yeah. and then yep. the kids at home got like almost no instruction because like they're probably off doing who knows what uh, yeah so yeah it was kind of a it was kind of a crapshoot but uh this year we started off fully back with masks and that was a big improvement good um and yeah as of like a month or two ago we're maskless so that it's been it's been good well you're doing better you're doing god's work oh thanks (laughs) (laughs) it's important work i mean yeah do you feel like people appreciate teachers more now and you personally do you feel it more appreciated now like since covid yeah um yes and no i think it depends um i think there's this weird not to get, I'm not going to go long on this because this could be a whole podcast unto itself, but there is this weird push and pull right now between yes, COVID happened. And so it really reminded us of the value of teachers and how straining their job can be and let's value them, et cetera. And at the same time, there's like such an upswing in, for lack of better words, conservatism Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying a lot of a lot of parents and lawmakers trying to grab hold of what goes on in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how everyone feels. I just know that it it does end up getting confusing almost like emotionally mm-hmm. because we we know we know what we do is important. We're not, I don't think most of us are egotistical about it, but we know it's important. And then you have a lot of backlash happening at the same time. Yeah. It's strange. It's a strange, yeah. it's a strange, um, contradictory place to be. I can see that. It's just, 
like, yes, you know, they pay taxes. And so their kids come here and like, we get it. Um, But it's also not a private school. And so there is this weird push and pull between that. Um, Luckily in Connecticut, it's not too bad. Um, You know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm gay. I'm very liberal. I live in a pretty good state for that. (laughs) Um, You know, we watch the news and see how bad other states are with stuff right now. Um, But yeah, it's, it's been okay. I think it's getting, I hope and think it's getting better. Yeah. I would hope so too, because you did such important work and I mean, we all languished without you during the pandemic. Yeah. And I think those kids, whether they realize it now or in 10 years, like those two years are going to have an impact. Yes. You know, for in various, various, various ways, but including the fact that school was so screwed up for so long. Yep. And we see it. I mean, we see it now. I mean, we, you know, we see the kids, especially I would say like, I don't know, like mid years, like sophomore and junior, because they kind of started high school weird. Mm -hmm. And now they're here. And even especially the sophomores, because they, they were like freshmen as sophomores because they came in for the first time their sophomore year. Mm -hmm. So it's very strange. And it's very, it's very, um, I'm sure it's very confusing for them. And, And I think the ripple effects will be long. Yep. I agree. And, but on the, on the plus side, it did change some things for the better. Like, I think we all got better with technology, Mm -hmm. um, students, parents, teachers, everyone. Um, and I think we kind of saw how we could maybe be more efficient in some ways as well. Mm -hmm. So I think there's silver linings if you look for them. Yeah. But thanks for your nice words. Oh yeah. (laughs) I know you, I know you have young kids, so I'm sure, I'm sure they went through it as well. Yeah, and I appreciate so much that they are back in school so I mm-hmm. can, like, make more records and paintings yeah. and my creative life, you know? Yeah, you're like, God, I can write a song now. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, just to say it again, Found Light comes out July 8th on Raven Marching Band and Belly Union elsewhere, I should say. Um, yes. Thank you, Laura, very much for chatting with me. I had such a nice time talking with you about all things music, all things lyrics, everything in between. Thank you, Jeremy. That was really fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Have a really good rest of your day. All right. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.